Hi, this is Donna Otto. We're so glad you joined us today. And we're going to continue to talk about Easter. Yesterday, I talked a little bit about what the work of homemakers looks like. And if you're wondering about what we do, why we do what we do, what we have available, I hope you'll go back and listen to yesterday's um, podcast. As we talk about the preparation for Easter, I was thinking about these two words because of the cross and because of Jesus. And the first word is, these are, these are strong words, so get ready. The first word is repentance. And, um, you know, I've heard people talk about what repentance is, and, and sometimes there's a, a sort of a pat answer that comes out. It's, it's turning back or turning around from where you were. And, and I, I've been thinking a lot about these two words this Easter season. And I, I was thinking about what repentance means to me and how I would categorize it. And it, it's usually something I perceive afterwards. And does that, are you ringing a bell with that? It's like that commercial, up, oh, I should have had a V8. It's like after I've done something, I think, why didn't I think of that? Or why didn't I do that? Or why did I do that? So when you think about repentance and, and uh, what that really means, it's about changing your mind. It's about having a V8 moment. Why did I do that? Or why didn't I do that moment? And I, I want to say two things about it. The first thing I want to say is, Oh, don't beat yourself up. I have a friend who's going through a very difficult situation with her mother-in-law, and she and her husband have become primary caregivers. And in this moment of time, there are things that have not gone very well. When you're elderly and you have sickness and it's unpredictable, things don't go very well. And so sometimes we have this ah moment, this afterwards it happens and I think I should have or I shouldn't have moment. Well, don't beat yourself up over that. If you've had the moment, celebrate. If you've had for 30 seconds, oh, I wished I had done that differently or how could I do that better than next time moment, I want to applaud. I want you to learn to applaud yourself instead of just slipping by it. It's a, an, an illustration in the Old Testament about Joseph, Joseph of the famed Joseph of many colors coat. And his brothers has uh, often spoken that their consciences were seared. Do you ever sear a piece of meat? You sear something in and, and then it stayed inside and you can't get it out. And the brothers seared inside their hearts what they had done to Joseph. And the years and years went on. They never told their father the truth. The Bible doesn't say they talked about it. Maybe they did. But if they had a moment of, I wish we hadn't done that, instead of doing something about it, they just went on. And then, of course, we know the powerful story of Joseph's place in making a change in their life. And they did have a change. So repentance is a very big churchy word, but it's really about changing your own mind or your purpose. It's always spoken of in the New Testament as involving a change for the better, an abandonment of something 
usually sin. And the world does not like to talk about sin, and maybe you don't like to either. I certainly don't like it when I do sin. And my definition of sin is doing something that is wrong in the sight of God. And repentance is to change. And you know, some acts that we've committed can never be recalled. I think of Esau and his birthright. He could never recall it. It was an irretrievable loss for him. But it does not preclude his going forward with change. And so it is with you. Do you have some, oh, I wish I hadn't done it that way moment, and you can't retrieve it? Well, acknowledge that, accept that, and go forward, making a change now. Now, now once you've made a change in an area in your life, and there will always be place and room for change, always. Girls, I don't care who you are or how old you are. I recently said to a group of young women that I'm privileged to hang out with a little bit and lead in a study, you know, marriage just continues the way it is. Some things get better and other things don't, and some things get worse. They all said, and this is called encouragement, you know. But the truth is that we will always be our in our humanity, in our mortality of finding places where we wish we were different, looking forward to a time when we will be changed. But we are privileged during this time of Easter to think about what repentance looks like, what changing looks like, what something I've perceived after I've done it looks like in making a change and making a change for the better, because cross of Christ allows us to take on his rightness. His rightness, not my rightness, but his rightness. I could never do it right enough. But Christ did it. The cross he died on was the cross that made the sacrifice so his rightness could be mine. And when I take his rightness, I get some small evidence of the other word, and that's humility. Humility. Humility is always associated with low, low degree, low lying, low estate, low. Okay, raise your hand if you want to be thought of as lowly. We, are, we live in a culture that wants to be thought of our society on every front. We applaud our children. My daughter is still horrified, and she is 41 years old, all right? She's still horrified at the story that she grew to hear as a young child and now tells in the most laughable way about how I helped potty train her. And she had one of those little plastic potties, and it had a little dish underneath it that received the elements, so to speak. And she would pull it out and walk through the house. And if there was something dark and brown in there, especially, I would go, yay! I mean, I was applauding this child. And, of course, she says it in a much more graphic way, and you might imagine that. Those of you who know her would really know that. That, that, that is not a very humble estate, is it? Now, yes, there's a place for applauding and encouraging and building a person to do the right things. But we live in a culture that celebrates far more success and high living than it does low living. Low living. Someone said 
that they thought humility could be likened to just being courteous. Because the courteous one is the one who's always reaching out to do the kind thing. The passage in Romans that says, outdo one another in brotherly affection. So uh, I want to look at a few verses together this morning in the minutes that we have that talks about how God gives grace to the humble. And Andrew Murray, who's an old scholar now at Home in Heaven, Andrew Murray wrote a book about humility, and I want to read to you a couple of sentences that he describes his best, basically his definition of humility. Humility is perfect quietness of heart. Quiet is not a word that we celebrate in America. It is to have no trouble. It is never to be fretted or irritated, sore or disappointed. It is to expect nothing to wonder at nothing that is done to me. It is to be at rest when nobody praises me and when I am blamed or despised. It is to have a blessed home in the Lord where I can go in and shut the door and kneel to my Father in secret and am at peace as in the deep sea of calmness when all around and above me is trouble. Well, how does that happen? How does that happen? So I want to just read a couple of passages, and I'm going to say the location. You can find them in the Bible, so you can look for them yourself. 2 Samuel 22 and 28. And he says, The Lord lifts up the humble and casts the wicked, those who have not repented, to the ground. The Lord lifts up the humble. And then in Proverbs 3, 34, he says, But he mocks the proud ones, and he gives grace or favor to the humble ones. He gives favor to the humble ones. I, I want the Lord to find favor with me. I'm going to give you a couple of locations and not tell you what they say in hopes that you might look them up for yourself. Luke 17 Verse 3, Acts 2 and 38, Acts 11 and 18, 2 Corinthians 7 and 10, Isaiah 30 and 15. And this one is very powerful, sweeping. Um, sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, saying, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you will have none of these things. And here is God talking about the children of Israel. And I wonder if I look for repentance and rest in my salvation and that quietness and trust are my strength, or do I run from that and gladly take what the world offers, which is fame and noise and one more piece of equipment to stay connected to everyone in the world and miss an opportunity to be connected to Jesus of the world? James 4 and 10 says about humility, Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. So we see this concept both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then in 1 John 1, verse 9, 
we see a verse which is very significant to us because it reminds us of our constant need to say, oh, I should have had a V8, I didn't do that right. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrightness. 1 John 1 and 9. And then in the last book of the Bible, Revelation, chapter 2, verse 5, we see this repentance and humility coming together. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first, which were to respond in humility and in appreciation. A Puritan prayer that I want to read to you as we end our time. Lord, you have brought me to the valley of vision where I live in the depths but see you in the heights, hemmed in by mountains of sin, I behold your glory. Let me learn by paradox that the way down, humility, is the way up, and that to be low is to be high, that a broken heart is a healed heart, that a contrite spirit is a rejoicing spirit, that the repenting soul is a victorious soul, that to have nothing is to possess everything, and that to bear the cross is to wear the crown, that to give is to receive, that the valley is the place of vision. So I want you to think, as I close my time today, about this oxymoron, this brokenness that leads to strength, that this brokenness that leads to beauty, that we say uh, with Paul in Romans, what a wretch am I, and you are. You are worse than you think you are. And then in the same Romans, thanks be to God for Jesus, because you are a wretch, but Jesus is greater, and he loves you more than you even think he loves you. And then Paul again, who says, I am the chief of sinners. And Isaiah, who says, I have an unclean tongue. And the parable in Matthew that says, I owe a million talents. And then the beauty of knowing that you are a saint robed in his rightness, not yours. And that no matter how many talents you may owe, how many unforgiven places or, uh, or sinful places you have in had in your life, they are forgiven. They are all forgiven. And that beyond repentance is faith. And when you say, I have done something wrong, what you are saying is, I know that I've done something wrong. I want to change that. And in faith to Jesus living in your life, you can change that. If you're trying to, to repent about things in your own strength, if you're trying to adjust your own behavior, you will come up short. Remember, what he calls us to come and do is surrender. And then he calls us to come and dine. Come and dine. Don't you love to eat? I love to eat. I love the celebration that comes with food. And I look forward because I have said, oh, what a wretched sinner am I. I know that God has forgiven me and will forgive me until the day I meet him face to face. And then he beckons me. He calls me, come and dine for all eternity at his tables laden with his love. 
Thank you for joining us. We are homemakers, and I'm delighted you have been here today. Remember the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it an uncommon day of being humble.